Wednesday. It's going to be a, a powerful morning, and you're not going to want to miss that. So it's good. All right, we are, we are in week three of a series called The Journey. And if you have not been following along with us, or maybe you need a little pickup as to where we are going, the first two weeks, we were following a character that we find in the book of Genesis by the name of Jacob. Now, Jacob was an interesting character, and we've learned a lot about him, but we're actually going to move on from Jacob this week. I have some other themes in his life that I want to explore in future series that we're going to be doing here at New Story, but just in case you're like, well, what happened to Jacob? Where, where did he end up going? Well, Jacob moves on from his father-in-law, Laban. He then has a wrestling match with God, which is a very interesting story. And after his wrestling match with God, his name is changed from Jacob to Israel. He reunites with his brother Esau, and Esau was nowhere near as mad with him as he thought he was. They hug it out. It's all good. Um, Michael Scott style, hug it out, you know. But uh, they, they hug it out. They make it work. They move forward, and then Jacob becomes the father to, to a bunch of kids, and his son Joseph is like who the back of the book of Genesis is all about. So we'll pick up with Jacob in another series at another time. But today I want to give more of an overview of some other characters that we find in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis means origins or the book of beginnings. And I believe that when we look at the book of Genesis, we start to see the beginnings, not just of what God created, but we see the beginnings of what it means to live a life of faith. We see the origins of what it means to embrace the faith that God has called us to or the faith that God has wired us to live in. And, and so in, in light of that, in light of that theme that I want us to move into today, the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is this, Adventurous Faith. Adventurous faith. Now, I know that sounds like something that they should be talking about in Story Kids or at a youth group somewhere. Uh, an adventurous faith doesn't really sound like something that's in a, an adult theme. It sounds like something that you would color in on a, on a kid's sheet in children's church. But, but this, is, this is a concept that I want us to wrap our minds around today. What it means for us to embrace an adventurous faith. Because I've noticed with a lot of people, there's, there's, there's like kind of three different groups of people. There's a small group of people in this world who view life as an adventure, mostly children. They view, they view life as an adventure, a place to explore, a time to learn new things, do things maybe that you shouldn't do at times. And they, they view life as an adventure. There's another small group of people who don't really view life as an adventure. They just really don't enjoy life at all. And that could be due to a variety of circumstances. There's that small group of people. And then there's a group of people in the middle. And this group of people in the middle, life is just this everyday thing. They're kind of going through their routine. There are elements of adventure at times. We call those vacations. And then there are other elements of the, where they don't really enjoy life. But, but life is just kind of in the middle. It's just mundane. It's just ordinary. And we find ourselves saying things like this a lot. I just want to get through today. Or... Or something like, oh, you know what, I can't wait for today to be over. Or, you know what, I, I just, I just want to get through. All, all I have is I just want to focus. I just want to get through today. I just want to get through today. And oftentimes our focus is just getting through. Our focus is, uh, I, I, I just, all, all I can do is this. And I'm not saying that we need to, you know, idolize the future. We've talked about that here before, and we, we don't need to just dwell on the past. But there's an adventurous faith journey that God has called each and every one of us to. And we're going to see this in, in Genesis. And, and there's so much more for us in the life that God has for us as, as opposed to just getting through today, today or just getting by. God has more in store for us than just getting by or just getting through the day. God is calling us 
and pulling all of us forward into an adventurous faith journey. That's not always easy. It's not always crystal clear. It can be complex. It can be a little clunky. It can be uneasy at times. But God is calling us into an adventurous faith journey. And we see this in Genesis. The first character I want to show to you is Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, says, God said to Noah, Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Now, for some of you, online or in person, as soon as I mentioned Noah, that was almost like a trigger story for you because you, you grew up around faith and you started to have some questions about faith and you're saying, uh, okay, that's the story when the guy builds the huge boat and they you know, get animals two by two onto the boat and then there's a flood and he, God kills everybody. I, you know, that's, that's one of those stories that I have a lot of questions about. That's one of those stories that, that makes me a little uneasy. You might be in that position saying that right now. And if you are in that position where a story like that makes you a little bit uneasy, it's okay. We made this church for people like you. We want you to be able to come and ask questions. We want you to be able to come and say, hey, you know what? I have some questions about things. I'm wrestling with some stuff. Some of this doesn't make sense to me. In fact, I'm planning a series it's, it's, it's a long ways away for next year called the God of the Old Testament. We're going to be working through how God interacted with his creation in the Old Testament so that we can maybe gain a better understanding of some of these stories that are maybe at us at times like, that's some dark stuff. You're saving these animals, but all these humans, what's going on here, God? It, 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 so if you have those questions, I just want to ask you this morning, first of all, if you want to ever ask questions, you can always ask us questions. Nobody's going to chase you out the door for asking a question. We aren't like that here. But... I would ask that you just suspend those for this message today because we're not talking about necessarily all of, the, all of the reasons why God did what he did in the story of Noah. What I want us to capture today is, in a sense, the essence of the story. I want us to capture what exactly Noah had to go through in following God in this story. God said to him, make an ark. Noah had never, according to the story, ever seen a boat before. Noah had never experienced a flood before. And so people are mocking Noah. Noah was misunderstood. But he still said yes to embracing this adventurous faith journey. He still said yes to saying, you know what, God, I might be misunderstood. This may not make a lot of sense. And by the way, the ark would not have looked like a giant boat. As many people uh, have maybe tried to make it look today. The, the ark would have almost looked like a giant rectangle box. That's what it would have looked like. And so you make this giant rectangle box. Everyone's going to make fun of you, Noah. Nobody's going to understand it, but Noah said, I'm still going to sign up. I'm going to make this ark, and I'm going to go on this adventurous journey into an unknown place, this adventurous faith. Next person in Genesis I want us to look at is Abraham, the grandfather of Jacob. God said this to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I love that one. God says, I'm not telling you where I'm taking you. Just go to where I will show you. Just go there. Everything will work itself out. This would be like if you, if you were to get into your car and you maybe use Waze, Google Maps, whatever it is you choose to use, and you say, hey, just take me to wherever you want to go. And you just followed the blue line to wherever it took you. This is what God, just go to wherever, wherever I want you to go, Abraham. I'm not going to tell you where. Just go into the unknown. Then there's Abraham's wife, Sarah. God said this in Genesis 21 too. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God spoke to him. And you may be saying, that's, that's not out of the ordinary. Women have babies. It's, it's what happens, right? 
Well, according to the story, Sarah was over 90 years old at this point in time. Over 90 years old, and she has a baby. That's an adventure, all right. That, I mean, that's, I, obviously, I will never have children, but I've heard stories from women who have had children. That's an adventure. At over 90 years old, she said, and, then, and at first she was, she was shocked by it, but there, there's something with this story of Sarah that's complex as well, of are you willing to bring life to wherever God has placed you, even when it seems impossible? You could ask that in, in like an, an applicable sense to wherever you find yourself as well. Are you willing to bring hope to wherever God has placed you, even when it seems impossible with the culture that you find yourself in, in the subculture that you find yourself in? Because Sarah ended up saying yes to God, to an adventure that was completely out of the ordinary. Then the last person I want us to look at is Isaac, the son of Abraham, the father of Jacob. And what God asks Isaac to do is really uh, an adventurous faith journey for my generation, for millennials. Let, let me show you this. It says, now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that has occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. This is where, this is where the challenge is for my generation. Stay. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Stay. A lot of my friends, and including myself at times, have a hard time staying anywhere longer than six months. For some of you, the adventurous faith journey is not to travel into the unknown. It's not to travel into a, a, to a different place or space. The adventurous faith journey is stay somewhere longer than five months. Stay somewhere longer than six months. Learn what it means to, to have commitment. Learn what it means to grow in a relationship with somebody and have a difficulty with them and work through it and move forward and not just push them away and say, you know what, I'm done, I'm out. Some of you, the call to an adventurous faith journey is to stay. So some of you, it's like Noah, you might be asked to build something that nobody understands. Some of you, what God is calling you to might be like Abraham, you're being called into the unknown. Some of you might be like Sarah, you might be being called to bring life to a circumstance or a situation where it seems as if that's not even possible. And some of you, it may be like Isaac, God is just asking you to stay somewhere. Whatever it looks like for you, it's going to be an adventurous journey. And the adventurous life that God is calling you to and has created you for, the adventurous life is a thriving life. It's a thriving life. It's, it's, it's getting out of the perspective of I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get by. I just want to get through today. But I want to embrace the thriving, abundant life that God has in store for me. Now, when I say thriving, please do not mishear what I'm saying. I am not saying that the thriving life is a life where you will have a beautiful home and the best cars and the most wonderful clothing and a high-paying job. No, that's called the prosperity gospel. We don't preach that here at New Story Church, okay? We, we, don't, we don't preach that. We do not promote that. If the prosperity gospel were a thing, then you would be saying that you deserve better than Jesus. Jesus was homeless. <laughs> Jesus was beaten and hung on a tree, okay? We do not subscribe to that or promote that here. The adventurous life is a thriving life, but it's not because of the material possessions that you accumulate. Now, I'm not saying that material possessions in and of themselves are a bad thing. Sometimes God does choose to bless us that way. But if that's your sole purpose for existence and for following God, you will be disappointed. But the adventurous life will lead to a thriving life because it leads to a life of purpose and intention. A life that exists and lives beyond you. 
So how do we, how do we embrace this? How do we get into this mindset and get, get our hearts ready and set for this perspective of embracing an adventurous faith that is unpredictable, it's complex, it's clunky, it may not always understand, but it's what God has for us. Well, the first thing I want us to do is ask ourselves a question. What am I choosing to know? Ask yourself that question. What am I choosing to know? Here's what I mean by that. Uh, a number of years ago in 2007, Chip Heath and Dan Heath, their brothers, they, uh, one's a professor at Stanford, one's a professor at Duke, they wrote a book called Made to Stick. It's a marketing book. And in the book, they were talking about how do you put together a message that sticks with people? How do you put together a business plan that sticks with people so that people don't forget what it is that you have to say? And in the book, they talk about this concept called the curse of knowledge. And the curse of knowledge, they define it this way. Once we know something, we find it hard to imagine what it was like not to know it. Once we know something, we find it hard to imagine what it was like not to know it. Now, we see this happen in the business world over and over and over again. There's a business or an organization. They have their structure. They have their way of doing things. And then somebody comes along with a great idea. We don't, wanna, we don't, we don't, we don't know that. We don't understand that. We know this, and it's impossible to know what it's like to function without this system. So we're going to push that to the side. And, and a lot of times people say no to visionaries. They say no to people who are challenging things because what we know is what we know and it's impossible to no longer know this and so we don't want anything to do with you. But while that happens in the business world, or, or it happens in the faith world as well, far too often I've seen this happen where a believer or somebody who's following after God says, I feel God's calling me to do something. But then they, they almost mess with their own minds a little bit and think, well, I saw somebody else do that before and it didn't work out very well, so maybe God's not telling me to do that. There's a curse of knowledge. But the way that you're gonna do it is not the same way that they're gonna do it. The, 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 the process that you're gonna go through is maybe not the same process that that person went through. But you just compare your experience to theirs and then think, well, maybe God just wants me to stay in survival mode. Maybe God just wants me to stay in the mundane. Maybe God just wants me to stay back. Or we don't do it to ourselves, but we as, sometimes we're not very good at doing the whole encouraging thing with one another, and we say things to each other. Somebody will come and, hey, I feel God's calling me to do whatever, fill in the blank, and then you'll say, well, you know, I know so-and-so who tried that before, and it didn't work out so well for them. It was actually kind of a bad experience. And, and we, we, we say these kinds of things to people. We don't ask critical questions of how are you going to get there? What's your process? What is that going to look like? We just immediately go to what we already know, and it holds people back from doing what God has called them to do. And so if I would have listened to those people with the curse of knowledge when I was going to plant New Story Church, we would not be here right now. We would not be doing this. You have no idea how many people, well, you know, planting a church, you know, I you know, I know a lot of people. The pastor burns himself out and you know, he doesn't do so hot after a while and he has a big problem. The you know, the pastor just, you know, it's just it's just church planting. And people are trying to be nice, they're trying to be kind, but they're just putting all these negative thoughts in of, well, you know, you church plant and then here's the th here's something that's funny about pastors. Let me give you a behind-the-scenes look. Every pastor and every church planter that you meet, almost every one of them, will tell you why their city is the most difficult place to lead a church. Every single one of them has a reason for it. Every single one. If you're up here in the Northeast, well, you know, it's a really uh, post-Christian uh, uh, cities up there, and you know, most biblically illiterate areas, and so, you know, it's really hard to reach people when you're in those areas because not many people are used to going to church. But then if you go down south, it's, 
Well, you know, down here, we have a lot of cultural Christianity, so people just go to church, and, you know, in, in, in the South here, we're looking to make real disciples at our church. We're going to make real disciples, and we're going to fight the cultural Christianity, and this is a tough place. This is a dark place down here, and we're going to fight against the cultural, and I'm not trying to make fun of people, but everybody has an excuse as to why their place is the most difficult place to go, and they put this curse of knowledge in your mind of, oh man, maybe I shouldn't do that because, you know what, it just didn't work for them, so I guess that means it won't work for me as well but your destiny is not somebody else's destiny. Your, your call is not their call. And, and I, I, you know, I just get thinking about this stuff, and I'm just going go on a little rant here for just a second, but, but I, I think sometimes the issue that we run into is that we think that the, the, the problem is, is, is people. Like, oh, our church isn't growing or we aren't reaching people because people are the problem. Well, yes and no. I think the problem is our approach sometimes. We have a lot of believers who love to declare Jesus without displaying Jesus. We have a lot of believers who love to declare scripture without displaying what it means to actually walk and live like Jesus. We have a lot of believers who can throw a verse and quote a verse at you, but to lay down their life for the sake of someone else, woof, that's a little intimidating. That's... That's a little difficult. And then, like, just, just think about this on a really, really practical level. And I'm not making fun of anybody here. I'm really not making fun, but we just, we just need to think about this for just a second. And Because if, if, if you've been in church your entire life, and, or if you've been in church for a long period of time, the things that, that we say we believe, well, they sound normal to us. But if you go to other people who are not familiar with this at all, maybe it's difficult to reach people because we say things to people like, yeah, you know, we believe that a guy came back from the dead 2,000 years ago. Just follow me. Come on. Let's do this. Come follow me. Oh, and by the way, he said, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. It was metaphorical, but come on, let's do this. You know, like, like that's, that's a little bit weird for people. It's a little bit strange. Maybe that's why we have some roadblocks sometimes because the worldview is a little bit different. It's, it's a little bit strange, but we just assume, oh, people should just take what I have to say. And then also we do this. We let the, the movement of Jesus become hijacked between other movements and culture. I gotta tell you something. Jesus Christ did not die for Fox News. Jesus Christ did not die for the Constitution of the United States of America. He died so that you could follow the way of Jesus. But I'm coming for the other side as well, so you may not wanna clap just yet. Jesus was not woke, okay? Jesus Jesus didn't say, cancel your enemies. He said, love your enemies. So keep that in mind, too. Come on. He didn't, he didn't, like, he didn't. Jesus looked at his mom and said, hey, woman. I don't think that's very PC, people. Just keep this in mind. The way of Jesus is different, and we have to stop letting different movements hijack the way of Jesus and then say, Oh, that's following Jesus. No, the way of Jesus is higher, it's different, and there might be elements of it in all of these different movements of culture, but the way of Jesus is different. And so, that's the end of my rant, anyways. <laughs> but the curse of knowledge, we can so easily, we can so easily just get brought into the curse of knowledge. We can get so, so easily brought into this, this uh, 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 you know, I know somebody, I know somebody told me this, and so I can't do this, I can't do what God called me to. Let me ask another question. When, by the way in which you are living your life and you're pursuing the faith that God has for you, are you choosing to know the blessing or are you choosing to know the curse? 
Are you choosing to know the blessing or the curse by the choices that you're deciding to make? Now, once again, I'm not saying that it's all going to be easy and it's all going to be good, but are you choosing to live in the reality of the blessing of God on your life, that he has given you favor, that he is with you, that he is leading you, that he loves you, and that he goes before you, and he has something in store for you, or are you choosing to live in the reality of the curse? Oh, I'm just good for nothing, you know, I'm just this, you know, I, yeah, I was redeemed, but, you know, and we just have this, we have this downward downward perspective, pessimism. Are you choosing to know the blessing or are you choosing to live in the curse? Maybe another way to ask would be this. Are you choosing to live with a perspective of faith or are you choosing to live in a perspective of the familiar? Are you choosing to live in faith, which leads to an adventurous unknown, or are you choosing to live in the familiar, which is predictable? All of the characters that we looked at in Genesis, they were recognized as people who chose to live by faith. Now, just a second here. We are not in any way idolizing these people. They were not perfect people. Noah got drunk at one point in time. Abraham lied about his wife and said it was his sister. I don't know what he was thinking. Then Sarah laughed and mocked God. You know, Isaac lied about his wife. He said, hey, it's my sister. He did the same thing his dad did. And then Isaac favored Esau over Jacob, which caused a bunch of division in his household, as we talked about in the past weeks. So none of these people are perfect people. But they do show us the origins of what it means to embrace the faith that God has called us to, to move forward in faith. And so look at what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was yet to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as, a, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. He goes on to say this about Isaac and Jacob. He said, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith. To live by faith is to say, I'm going to say yes to this adventure of the unknown, this adventure of the call of God on my life. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when I'm misunderstood, I am going to live in the greater concern of what God has called me to, to make a difference in the world around me for the good of others, even when it doesn't make sense. To live by faith is to choose to live in the reality of God's favor. And God's favor is his purpose and his provision going before you, leading you into the future. Which brings us to our next point. Follow the ultimate guide. Follow the ultimate guide. For those of us, I mean, anyone in here can name a story that they love, whether it's in books or movies, you love Harry Potter, you love, uh, you, uh, you love the Avengers, whatever it is, you love Star Wars. I, I'm a big Star Wars fan, so I'm gonna use Star Wars as the example here. But in, in stories, there's always a hero who wants something, and they have to overcome conflict to get what they want. And for the hero to get to where they need to go to overcome that conflict, they typically need a guide to get them to that place. There's a guide who comes along to help the hero complete his journey or her journey. 
And in Star Wars, it's Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker's the hero, and he's, he's alone. He's, 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 he's with his aunt and uncle. He's, he's never left his planet before. But then his aunt and uncle are, are destroyed. They're killed by the Empire. And then he has to go into the unknown, but thankfully he has a guide who has went before him, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan Kenobi had been to where Luke was going. He had been to this place before. He had a guide who went before him. And I think so many of us, what we say to ourselves is, it would be so much easier, it would be so much easier to go where God is calling me if somebody had went before me. It would be so much easier to take this faith journey if there was somebody who had been where I have been, where I'm going. If there's somebody who had been where I'm going. If, if I had an Obi-Wan in my life, or if I had a Yoda in my life, you know that whole thing? I don't think anybody wants that creepy Muppet thing, but, uh, but if I had a Yoda in my life, or if I, had a Obi, if I had somebody like that who went before me, which is why you should get in a story group, even though they're maxed out right now. We're going to have more coming soon. But get in a story group so you can live life with other people. But not only do you have other people, because God given us people in his church who have went before us, but God goes before us. God goes before us. God is in the past, he's in the present, and he's in the future. And the ancients understood this. When God was leading his people Israel, this is how they understood him in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Our God is the God who goes before. He doesn't just leave you hanging. He doesn't say, hey, go over there. I'm out. I'll see you later. No, he goes before. He's been to that place before, and he is leading you into the future that he has for you. This is why the psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. There's a vision in the valley that's been made available to you. There's vision for you in that place. He is a been there, done that God. Let me get a response. Nine o'clock was a little bit silent, but can you say been there, done that? He's a been there, done that God. He's been there before. He's done that before. He's going before you. He's leading you into the place. It might be painful. It might be difficult. You might say, you're, I'm going to where you said you were going to show me God, but I'm not there quite yet. But he's been there before. He's going before you, and he's leading you in that place. He will give you a vision in the valley to see where he is leading you to. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me or imitate me as I imitate Christ. Why? Because Christ came and showed us what it means to be truly human. He's given us a blueprint. He's given us an outline. And he's leading us into the future that he has for us. Follow the ultimate guide. God goes before us. Brings us to our final point. The adventure is not just for you. When you embrace this reality of living an adventurous faith, you understand and begin to see that it's not just for you. If knowing Jesus is just about me, 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 and me getting to the good place when I die one day, and me, 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 then that's a short-sighted perspective. The, the adventure of following God is not just for you, but it's for others. It's for others. And I know I talk about this a lot here. I, I, I mention this probably at least once a month, how it's not just for you, but it's for others. Because it's so easy for us to become self-consumed. It's so easy for us to become self-concerned and just become defensive. Have you ever noticed, I'm not trying to make fun of believers today, I'm trying to challenge us today. Have you ever noticed how sometimes we can be the most defensive people in society? 
oh, someone's coming for me. Someone's coming. I got to look around the corner. Someone's coming to challenge my belief system. I got to shoot down that culture war and take down that one and take down that. Like we become really defensive people and we have a bunch of shields up all the time. We shouldn't be playing defense as Christ followers. We should be playing offense. Jesus didn't defend himself and say, I'm not going there. Jesus went into any space that he wanted to. We're not, we're not here to defend, 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 deflect, deflect, deflect. No, we should be in space. And, and we, should be, we should be penetrating that space in such a way that we're bringing life and hope and the goodness of God to wherever it is he has placed us. And, and God, knew, God has been planning this since the beginning of time because look at what he said to Abraham in Genesis 12 too. God said to Abraham before his journey, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Go bless others. So instead of saying, how can I get through today? We start asking this question. Who can I help get through today? How can I get through? Who can I help get through today? Who can I bless today? Who can I help today? Who can I love today? Who can I care for today? And just so you know, when you have a conversation with someone and you're caring for them as Christ would, that doesn't mean that at the end of every conversation you have to, you have to give them a little tract or you have to share your faith. You can if you've been called to do that and if God's promised that, go for it. Share your faith. But sometimes the love of Christ is better just on display. Serving others. Loving others. Let them see Christ in you. We don't always have to have an agenda. We can just love people. We don't always have to be ready to make a sales pitch. Be ready to speak when God asks you to speak. But sometimes he might just be, bless somebody, care for somebody, love somebody. Who can I serve? Who can I care for? Who can I love? Blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to invite the band forward in, in this time. They're going to close us out here in just a minute. But I have another verse that I want to highlight in just a minute because it's, it's so easy to look at Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then as we're looking at next week with Joseph, and say to yourself, well, they had, they had the audible voice of God speaking into their lives. They had the audible voice of God. And some of, and, 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 what do I have? Because they had the audible voice of God. But for those of us who believe in Christ, we're told that we are, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. That means that wherever we go, God goes. Where, wherever we are, God is with us. And we are a temple of his presence. Ephesians 5, 18, Paul said this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Hopefully none of you had too late of a night last night. But Paul is condemning you right now if you did. But, and, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. You might be saying, I don't have more to give. I don't know what to give. I don't know how to serve. I don't know how to love. I don't know if I have anything to give. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you are sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he is with you wherever you go. That's why the psalmist said this. Ready for some KJV? My cup runneth over. So wherever you go, you are running over with the goodness of God. You are running over with the love of God. He, if he is your source, be filled with his spirit, and he will fuel you to do what he's called you to do. He's called you to whatever place you're in, and he is fueling you to be filled with. This is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5.22. Bam, right there. But anyways... 
that is, that is not just for you. That is not just for you. It's not just so, oh, I feel loved. Oh, I feel like I have self-control. Oh, I feel like I'm a kind person. No. He fills us so that we can pour it out to the people around us. We are filled to give. We are blessed to be a blessing. And he's called us into a new reality of a greater concern to lay down our life for the sake of others. And the thriving life that he's created us for is to give life. To know the one who is life so that we can give life. So, ask yourself, what am I choosing to know? Are you choosing to know faith or are you choosing to know the familiar? Move forward in faith. Follow the ultimate guide. Who is the guide that you have been following? Follow the one who goes before and created you with purpose and intention. And then as you adventure in this faith journey with him, embrace, embrace the joy of knowing that it's not just for you, but it's for others. It'll at times be confusing, it will at times be heavy, but you will live a life of faith that will impact generations to come. The adventurous life is a thriving life. Embrace today an adventurous faith, and you will journey into a greater concern. If you would, please bow your heads and join me in prayer in this moment. Jesus, thank you that we have times like this with you. Thank you that we can walk with you and know you. And thank you for being the guide who says, imitate me. You've shown us what it means to live this life. And thank you, Jesus, that you, you came you died for us and you rose from the grave so that we could have new life, that we could turn from our old way and embrace the new life that you have for us as the King of kings and Lord of lords over our life, and that we would participate in bringing about your will on earth as it is in heaven. If anyone's here today, heads bowed and eyes closed, and you've never given your life to Christ, watching online or in person, just pray this to yourself. God can hear you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you to you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. If you're online and you prayed that, go to newstorybuffalo.com, fill out, get connected. We want to connect with you. But if you're here in person with everyone's head down, eyes closed, and you prayed, Jesus, I surrender my life to you, would you be bold enough to just raise your hand in this moment? Nobody else can see you except for me. I want to be able to pray for you for just a moment. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that we can have victory in you. That you are awaking our souls to embrace and to live in an adventurous, faith-filled journey. To lay down our life for the sake of others just as you did for us. Thank you, Jesus, for this new life. In your name I pray. Amen. If you are able, please stand and join us as we continue to worship.